0: And half ha, Oh, God! Danny, stay on your bike! And, you know, uh, your legs are, are burning and you don't want to turn around anymore. And you know, if somebody now attacks, you're going to be, like, blown out of the water. But you just go, no, I just keep going, just keep going. Tied on the inside, it's the solo on the barriers. Peter again just showing himself. His bounce space may not seem to exist, but there. Oh, my goodness, he's to done it again. Oh, what about that? Now then everybody, I am Tom Ramsey and welcome to The Edge Coaching Podcast. The Edge is a performance cycling company based in East Yorkshire and it is my greatest pleasure to have you listening to me today whether you're currently out riding your bike in the lanes or simply on your commute to work in the car. This podcast will provide a clear insight into the world of athletic performance and help provide a clear, relatable understanding into subject areas revolving training, nutrition, stress, psychology, and much, much more. Every single podcast that I do will also feature a Q&A section too, and you can submit these questions by sending me a message on any of my social media channels. Without further ado, let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Edge Coaching Podcast, episode number 14. Today's podcast is um, mainly just a Q&A podcast. Um, I put out yesterday on my uh, Instagram stories, I, I asked uh, for any questions. Um, because to be honest, uh, I haven't done a podcast in a while. It, it has been a fair while now since the previous episode and I wanted to get one out. Uh, I wanted to keep these fairly consistent coming out, and um, to be honest, I don't have the mental cognition, the mental space, to be able to think of an appropriate um, topic area this week. (laughs) Um, Work has been very busy, and on top of that, as I'm sure you're all aware, um, I have a 12-week-old child on my hands as well. So, um, balancing, uh, work life, um, is, uh, is very difficult at the minute. Um, and thus things like podcasts and, uh, you know, all the social media stuff, things that don't necessarily directly generate revenue for the business, um, have been put on the back burner for a little while. So, um, I didn't really have much time to invest in thinking about a topic or doing research on a topic. Um, but I do have an hour spare um, to do a bit of um, a podcast. Uh, and I just thought, what better way to do a Q&A, basically. So, um, so yeah, so I've got, um, I was really, really thankful for the responses that I got to those, um, for those questions. I think I got something like, 40 questions in total. Um, so my interaction rate on my Instagram page, my social media pages is really, really good. And, and, and it's nice to see so many people. I'm just looking now. Yeah, I got 45 responses. So, um, yeah, it's really nice to see so many people kind of engaging with me and, um, and, and wanting to, to, to kind of touch base and wanting a piece of this podcast, it's nice to see that I've got over two hundred um, listeners on this podcast now, and every week it seems to be building and building. So it's really nice to hear. Um, so of those forty five uh, responses, I have um, selected ten um, of which um, which I deem appropriate um ten which I deem um, kind of, yeah worthwhile questions answering because some of the questions were absolutely stupid (laughs) um some of the questions were um already answered in a previous podcast and some of the questions were just so off topic that um it wouldn't be worthwhile me talking about them um i'm not going to go in loads of detail for every single question but but equally um you know I kind of want to spend a little bit of time to just make sure that the person who has answered the question understands the the answer um and I've thrown for a couple of um uh, off-topic funnier ones in there as well so I've got 10 to reel through before I do that um I will quickly just set the scene and give you a little bit of an insight into my life at the minute in fact um as much as uh, this podcast is an educational podcast and I want my listeners to um, come away from this podcast understanding a little bit more about sports science and cycling performance, um, it's also, to be honest, a nice opportunity for me to just rattle on about um, my life, get some things off my chest and um, and let the listeners kind of understand what it's like from the inside. Um You know trying to balance this work life uh, um this this work life and young uh young child kind of scenario um so that hopefully some people out there will not feel on their own they'll feel like um they can relate to my lifestyle a little bit and then um and you know hopefully make make people think a bit more positive about theirs but um to set the scene it is um uh, it is 12 o'clock midday or just gone 12 o'clock midday um on what day is it today Third, wednesday the 19th of may and i've actually ju- i've actually just come in from a run about um half an hour ago um uh, more about my training in a second but uh yeah i i kind of i had such a busy day today um doing client phone calls and um doing other things with my daughter and um ferrying people around um and i've got a lot of other kind of background work to do that i didn't really have time to get out on the bike um as i'm sure a lot of you are aware cycling isn't the most kind of um time sensitive of sports you know even if you're only doing um an hour an hour and a half on the bike that soon turns into two, two and a half hours by the time you've uh, got changed, by the time you've got a shower, by the time you've done this and that, um, and you know what? I, I kind of, I haven't run for a good four, five, six months um, because of an injury that flared up, and uh, the weather was nice. I had a spare half an hour, um, and I wanted to just get out and stretch the legs, so I fancied doing a little four and a half mile run, and that's what I did um but a little bit about that because I, I know uh, some of you will potentially be wondering where i'm at um obviously we are at race season now um we are it is yeah we're at we are at stage now where a lot of you listeners will have already had your first second third race of the season um i know a lot of my coaching clients have already done a few races um, my time trialists have already got in up to four or five TTs now already. Um, the road races that I coach have got in, um, uh, they had the Yorkshire test event at the weekend um, and they've had a few crits and so on. So, um, so yeah, so the local scene is, is booming now and, it, and it's great to see because last time we spoke, um, there wasn't a lot of races going on and there was a lot of doubt over the whole season really, but now it's nice and positive. So we're, we're at a good upward curve now it's we're on a positive curve and uh and it's really nice to see the organizers coming forward putting events on and yeah we don't have maybe the full extent of a season that we would have in in previous years but considering we had no races last year considering that um you know we had doubts about this year it's really nice to see um so many races on the calendar now so that's good um but yeah we are in terms of my own training and my own racing um i have entered some races now um full disclosure i've entered a local crit series which starts late june i think um i've also entered a mountain bike marathon event which i won three years ago and got something like fourth in two years ago um that's always been one of my main target events um in previous years i've also entered a few cyclocross races and raced a few cyclocross races already um and yeah i've also entered a few road races as well i've entered scarborough oliver's mount road race i think i've entered one over in um uh, near leicester i think it was i can't remember where the other one was um But yeah, it's just been a case of I've seen a couple of races come up, thought, yeah, I'll fancy that. And yeah, as I know that you're aware, you know, once you've got races on the calendar, it does help the motivation. However, where do I stand in terms of my training, my form and my approach to the season? To be brutally honest, um, I'm in a bit of a predicament at the minute. Um, To put it bluntly, um i hate racing when i know i'm not on good form i absolutely hate racing when i know i'm not um you know pinging and the knowledge that i'm not now where i was in previous years is really pissing me off (laughs) and it's really graining on me mentally now part of i mean i enjoy racing for the competition and the camaraderie and everything like that and don't get me wrong i think i'm probably still going to be racing even if i know i'm not uh no i'm not on form but equally if i'm going into races knowing that i'm not on form and knowing that um i'm at a disadvantage compared to where i could be and where my competitors are that i should be beating are then um in my eyes that's that's not um that's not going to be anywhere near the same enjoyment and it might well just put me down and and, and frustrate me. Now from my perspective um, obviously as I explained in a lot of podcasts already, um, this year has been a massive change in terms of priorities. Um, we've had a global pandemic, which initially when that came up, I was very worried about my business Um, as it turned out it actually was very good for the business and worked really well having said that it's given me a lot more um, work to be doing it's given me a lot more office work to be doing a lot more bike fits and thus my my working hours have 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 gone up by probably about 30 percent on top of that obviously Millie was born 12 weeks ago and For any of you parents out there you will be able to relate as soon as you have a newborn child a young child time just gets swallowed up absolutely swallowed up like this morning for example um my wife went to the gym and um millie was kind of settled before she went to the gym um but then, yeah, as soon as she went to the gym, like, I had, she just became unsettled. I had to change a nappy. I had to give her a bath because she got poo on her back. <laughs> and uh, and then she wasn't settling again, so I had to feed her again. And it's amazing where something, you know, that hour, hour and a half just got swallowed up. I got no work done. Whereas normally, I would have got work done. I'll just take a sip of my drink. You might be able to tell from the 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 sound this time i'm actually drinking from a normal sports bottle rather than a cup of coffee trying to rehydrate a little bit after this morning's run running just makes me um sweat buckets compared to cycling um so yeah so it's trying to balance time and like i say a classic example was today the sun was shining today there's like four mile an hour winds. And last year or the year before where Millie wasn't here and where, um, you know, we, we, my work was a bit more, um, flexible. I would have been able to just move some stuff around in the diary, put my work off to the afternoon and say, yeah, fuck it. I'm going for a three hour ride with some intervals in there. Admittedly, I've woke up pretty tired today. So, I'd probably just have done a three, you know, three or four hour ride, but it would have been more volume in the legs. Now, I guess the question is, okay, why is my fitness down on previous years? Um, Well, no, there's twofold questions. First question is, how do I know my fitness is down on previous years? Well, I'm a sports performance coach. I do training sessions. I look at the numbers that I'm producing and they are not good enough compared to previous years what is that in terms of quantifying it i'm probably about five percent off where i should be at this time of year now the next question is what's the reason for that why am i five percent less strong now than what i usually am at this time of year um and I, i think i can put it down to um, three things, probably two things. A, um, if we go back, uh, 12 weeks ago, when Millie was born, there was a period of the first six weeks of Millie's life where I was getting next to no sleep. Um, I was probably averaging for the first six weeks of Millie's life, probably averaging about four and a half to five hours sleep a night. Now, we know how important sleep is for our health our recovery everything and my sleep was heavily 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 compromised i wasn't recovering i every day i was waking up feeling absolutely exhausted and yes i was doing a few training sessions here and there but every training session that i did uh, it was compromised i felt awful and i couldn't get the output that i wanted um On top of that, um, obviously Millie's took up a lot of my extra time. So over that first six weeks, I wasn't able to go and get in the volume that I wanted to do. And rather than doing the volume, I was thinking, okay, well, instead of doing three or four hours on the bike, I'll do one hour on the bike with some hard intervals. But because my um recovery was so compromised because my cns was so compromised because i wasn't recovering very well from sessions i was just getting on the bike fucked all the time and not being able to find that extra bit of percentage um so the first six weeks passed now if i'm honest i'm not going to kid myself from week six of millie's life to now millie has slept like an absolute dream um A typical night's sleep for me now is Millie is asleep by half nine-ish at night, I go to bed at about ten-ish, and Millie wakes me up at about six, half six in the morning. So I'm getting eight hours sleep, and I can't complain. Um, That, to me, is the perfect amount of sleep, perfect amount of sleep hours, like I'm not having to adjust my hours, and it's absolutely fantastic. So sleep's ticked off now, and it has been for the, the last five, five-ish weeks. But then we get to the next bit of a compromise, where we are now. Um, now, uh, let me just put this straight. Millie is absolutely wonderful. Millie is everything I've ever wanted for a good number of years now, and she is so perfect and so amazing. Um, and I'm not um i'm obviously i'm telling this story in a fairly negative way because i'm talking about my cycling form here but in the grand scheme of things it's all positive it's it's just a different matter of perspective at the minute but um the problem now is so yes i'm sleeping okay and and the sleep is ticked off which helps the recovery which helps the general feeling day to day but even though i'm sleeping okay there is still um, there is still compromises and what I mean by that is um, going back to the time availability so Millie swallows up a load of time so straight away I might have planned or like to plan a three-hour ride one day suddenly because of certain things that happen in the day that's that's reduced down to two hours and then I'm then thinking okay well um, because of the timing, it doesn't quite work. I'm just going to get in an hour and a half. Now, I'm very good at training, um, hard and making use of being very efficient with short amount of volume. So I would say that, you know, if I was doing on average, let's say, I'm just making this on the, up the top of my head. If I was averaging 11, 12 hours, uh, training per week at this time last year, I reckon I could still average nine-ish hours this year and still get up to the kind of form that I want to do for the races that I'm targeting. However, <laughs> I'm going into sessions on the watt bike or on the bike, and I don't think that I can fully devote my mental capacity, my physical capacity quite as much for these sessions and what i mean by that is very hard to explain but if you're going if you're if you've got let's say as an example some three minute maximal vo2 max efforts where you are absolutely on the river three minutes they are horrific the sensation involved with those kind of intervals is horrific um you know, in order to elicit the appropriate training adaptation, they need to be absolutely as fast as you possibly can. And they the sensations involved with that kind of effort are horrible. When it's hurting so much, you have to be completely devoted to that effort. You have to be mentally and physically at 110% capacity so that you can completely switch off anything else that's going on. Now, sometimes I'm doing these sessions and I might be hearing Millie crying in the background, Becky trying to settle her. Um, I might get a text off my wife while she's out in town um, asking certain questions or um, there might be other work-related things going on which I need to attend to because work is a lot busier at the minute. And these are all things that I need to... Um, what I should completely put to the back of my mind and completely leave out but in the current scenario I'm not able to I'm not able to do that because it's a it's a question of priority and what I'm saying here is I'm willing to sacrifice that 5% performance that 5% of getting out as much as I can from every session to make sure that Millie is 100% sound and Becky is helped as much as she possibly can And my clients are helped as much as they possibly can. Um, And I guess this is a little side tip for you, anyone who's listening, is that if you are somebody who does want to get out the maximum out of your training, you need to limit those distractions as much as you can. Um, If you're able to leave your work phone, out of the room while you're doing your turbo session then do that because um, any little distraction like that will put you off your goal and at the minute for me my goal isn't big enough to sacrifice those things Um, but for you if it is then you need to you need to have a word with yourself and do that now the other thing the other side to this for me as well is that I think I've had a bit of a a step back in the last year and I think I've realized that there is a lot more to life than racing performance. There is a lot more to life than, um, getting the most out of myself physiologically to perform the best I can in a race. Because, I feel like I'm in the last two or three years I've had some very good results and I've been I've been very fit in the in the last two or three years but I'm kind of at that stage now where you know at the end of the day I'm a dad and when I look back on the years when I was my fittest I had significantly less less life stress so where's my performance going to go now? Well, it's only going to be a little bit more compromised than it was in previous years. So do I want to keep pressing away? Do I want to keep um, pushing my performance, pushing my body as hard as I can, you know, swallowing up all of this free time that I would have, swallowing up all this um, kind of, Time that I would have spent with Millie, um, time that I would have in investing in my business to get out the most of myself in training rides. Well, to be honest, the answer is no. The answer is, is no right now. And sometimes as well, even if I did have the time to go out in the morning and do two, three hours with a load of really tough intervals and fit in a nice dog walk with Millie and Becky in the afternoon, go to a calf, you know, whatever it is, even if I did have that time available in my day, which I don't have time to do both of those at the minute. It's also a question of, um, if I go and beast myself in the morning, I'll probably feel absolutely awful for the rest of the day. Like, you know, a tough training session takes it out of you, and I will be a lot less of a nice person to be around a lot less able to go for a long long walk with Millie and and expend my the rest of the energy that I've got because I'll be so fatigued so that's where I'm at and the reason i I'm telling you is because I've had a few questions from some clients and some uh, just general followers in terms of where I'm at at the minute and what my plans are And I guess that summarises it the best I can. Um, What that means in terms of this year, I've entered some races. I'm 80, 90% sure I will be doing the races that I've entered. And I'm going to do as much as I can. Um, No, I'll rephrase that. I'm going to do... 90 to 95% of my ability capacity to prepare for those races that extra 5% is the difference between being 100% on form and 95% on form and but that 5% is a big difference in terms of my mental and physical capacity to put into these training sessions and to devote into race prep and everything like that but that 5% is a big chunk of my my person which i can give to my daughter and my wife and my business um best that i hope that's the best way to summarize it and i'm sure there's a lot of listeners which can relate to this um you don't even have to be a dad to to relate or a mum to relate to this to this podcast i'm sure like you know there's other things that are going on in people's lives you know you might have a a relative who's got really ill for example and you want to spend the rest of your uh, a lot of time with them well you know when you're doing a certain session if you're thinking about time that you should be spending with them you know it's it's a question of um priorities to some extent isn't it so yeah but yeah i'm still gonna be racing um i'm still gonna enjoy the racing but i'll be going into them with a lot less pressure i guess so so that's where we're at at the minute Okay, let's go into some questions then. Uh, Like I say, there's 10 questions here which I've pulled out, which are the best ones. And I'm just going to reel through them um, in order uh, and give a few minutes on each question. Um, Number one, how do you keep mental focus when it feels like you're going backwards? Um, Okay, so... I could could rattle on here a little bit. Oh, by the way, um, I haven't done any prep for the answers to these questions. (laughs) Uh, Any of the questions. So uh, I literally pulled them off this morning. I gave them a little read through, but I haven't done any kind of um, uh, script or anything for these. So number one, just just say that again. How do you keep mental focus when it feels like you're going backwards? Now, I guess the question here is... um, why do you feel like you're going backwards and I mean I could kind of rattle on here a little bit about um kind of you know the best ways to to keep mentally focused but I guess the proper way of answering this in my perspective would be why do you think like feel like you're going backwards and if you're wanting to be going forwards I would actually approach this by thinking okay well you need to try and um, find out what the reason is why you're going the way you are and and change this so you're not going backwards, so you're working forwards. Um, so that's how I would keep mental focus. I would take a step back, um, kind of reflect on your training, reflect on your lifestyle, reflect on things like sleep, um, and realize... Try and figure out what is inhibiting your forward progression. So, um, you know, if you want to make progress, training harder is is not always going to be the right thing. So, um, by doing that, performance will eventually plateau. Um, so, take a step back, uh, reflect on your lifestyle, reflect on the train that you're doing. Um, and try and figure out what's going on there because, um, you know, if you feel like you're going backwards and, you, you know, you can quantify that with numbers, then, um, then yeah, then give yourself a few days off What is what I would do. And with those days off, instead of the time that you'd be spending training, spend that time to re- reflect on what's going on, and make some actionable tangible points to go forward again question number two um, I've got five days a week to train two rest days which days should I gym now I actually messaged this guy back um, just to let him expand on this question a little bit and what it mean, means by this is that uh, one of those rest days he's suggesting that could be the strength day or he could double up so basically he normally takes two rest days um and trains on the bike five days a week when would he fit in when should he fit in gym when's the kind of best time to fit in gym now to be honest there's like there's a science-based answer but then there's also a subjective kind of individual-based answer um and i'm going to give more of a um, uh, a bit of combination than both really now um I know this is the, the best. The best way of answering this question would be to to, to start off by saying it massively depends on uh, what level you're at with regards to strength training. Now, take for example myself. Um, a lot of your listeners will understand that uh, I heavily prioritise strength and conditioning within my winter training cycle. So. Throughout the off-season, I do a lot of strength and conditioning and I really push that and that is a massive part of my um, training cycle. During winter, I'm at the gym three up to four times a week and doing some quite heavy lifts. Now, what happens in the race season is that that goes down to roughly two sessions a week and it's kind of maintenance. So the the advantage of what I do is that I generate a lot of muscle soreness and, and fatigue and training stimuli during the winter where my biking performance is compromised because of it. But then now, because I'm weaning off the strength training and I'm hitting maintenance, those maintenance sessions I hardly get any muscle soreness from at all. And therefore, I can still push the volume on the bike, the quality on the bike, but without um, uh, and they don't, they don't really compromise each other um so let's take for example like just let's just say pick one lift off the top of this um top of the list let's just say we're doing a squat and before i was able to squat um you know 100 kilos let's just say that isn't that i'm just picking off a number um i was able to squat 100 kilos of so three times five reps well that was very difficult back then, that was very stimulating back then, right now I might be knocking that down to something like 60 or 70 kilos for um, a similar amount of reps, and it's still maintaining a bit of strength, um, but not causing anywhere near the same amount of stimuli, muscle soreness, central nervous system fatigue, and so on. So for me, in that scenario, it doesn't actually matter where I put those strength training sessions too much, because they're not compromising the other sessions. So some days I might double them up. I might do a strength session in the morning, and then do a, a couple of hours in the afternoon. Some days I might just do it on what would normally be a rest day. Um, and some days I might even do it on like the morning or the evening after a race. Um, but um, to answer this question from, uh, I guess, uh, let's just call them more of a normal cyclist's approach where they're not prioritizing strength training quite as much. They're doing like, you know, bits of strength training once or twice a week, most most of the way through the year. Um, Where where should you put that gym session? Y- you need to kind of um, do a little bit of uh, self-analysis on how that gym sessions affects your performance. Now, most people, so we need to consider that Delayed onset muscle soreness, uh, or abbreviated to DOMS, usually kicks in um, around 48 hours uh, post-lifting session. So if you do a strength conditioning session on a Monday, you'll have a bit of muscle soreness on the Tuesday, but it will peak, you'll have the most muscle soreness on the Wednesday. So if you consider that, in real simple terms... What you probably shouldn't do is do your strength session on Monday and then schedule in a really really intense PB style effort for the Wednesday. Instead, what you might be able to do, what you what most of my athletes do, is the strength conditioning on the Monday, a PB kind of really tough interval session on the Tuesday, and then either a rest or an easy ride on the Wednesday. That tends to work for most people. Now, obviously, I just gave the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of a reference there. That could work for any days in the week. But um, if you're doing one strength and conditioning session a week, it usually works best like that. Because, for example, the weekend has been a lot of volume, a lot of overall TSS. Therefore, the Monday would normally be a rest day. So put your strength and conditioning session in there. Then the Tuesday, have a hard day. The Wednesday, have a rest Or a very easy ride and then you can pick up the intensity again later on in the week that would be my general recommendation but of course it varies quite a lot on an individual basis and this is where it comes back to kind of trying to see what works for you another approach that sometimes works for some people um, and it also works really well for me is doing a double day Um, but this double day needs to be as far contrasting as possible um of the stimuli so um to 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 explain what i mean by that is um if you think about a strength conditioning session where you're doing maximal squats that is very similar demand on the muscular system to some maximum sprints on the bike so doing those two things on the same day would be inappropriate because they'll be massively compromising each other and massively stimulating one, um, one demand. Instead, if you're going to do a double day, you might do strength conditioning session in the morning and then doing a longer ride in the afternoon. So you do strength conditioning session, come home, have a good feed of carbohydrates, and then do your Uh, endurance ride in the afternoon but that would be kind of you know zone two kind of work and potentially going into a bit of zone three um question number three tips for not emptying the cupboards on rest days um and this is a client who answered this i remember uh so yeah we've we've all been there um rest days you've got more time on your hands you've got that maybe a little bit lack of motivation a little bit because you're not trained that day um and it's very easy for your hunger levels to go up because of that. Um, now, my tips would be to have in healthy snacks. Don't buy in a load of crap, a load of biscuits, because if you um, if you fall for that too easily, and you you want to snack and empty empty the cupboards um, with calorie dense sugary stuff then then that you know then if it's there you're going to do it my tip for that would be to um make sure that you have regular meals which are high in protein to keep um the satiety there um and be consistent to your goals you know if your goal is to potentially lose weight if your goal is to potentially just get a little bit leaner, if your goal is 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 bigger than the craving for a bit of sugar or um, a, an unhealthy snack, then we shouldn't even be having this conversation. But to be practical about this, um, make sure the cup- cupboards are snack- stacked with healthier snacks, such as fruit and veg, rather than crisps, chocolates, sweets um, and biscuits. Um and be very regular with your feeds. So, um, you know, if you are craving sugar or you are craving calorie-dense foods, it might likely mean that you're actually in a calorie deficit. You know, it, it, it's a rest day, but that doesn't mean that you're not catching up on calories from a previous day's training or the previous week's training. So um, make sure that you're being consistent with your ref- refeeding, refueling from a day-to-day basis and across the week, So that when it comes to this rest day, you're in a calorie balance and you're not trying to just get those calories back as much as you can. Be consistent with your feeds in the rest day and prioritize protein. Uh, Question number four. Have you considered a tag along for Millie? (laughs) Um, Yes, I have. I am getting a tag along for Millie. Um, I think Ed at Villa Velo has promised me his from his lad um Millie's not quite at the stage where she's old enough I think I think you can only use it from like six months something like that um so um so yeah by that point their their head is stable enough to be able to balance when they're in the tag along but I will be getting one and I'm looking forward to going for bike rides with her um number five why does my head mess my chance to race up now this was asked by one of my clients um, and we've already had a very in-depth conversation about this and we came to the summary that, um, uh, their performance anxiety was, um, was, um, very, very severe on, on their race day that they had on, on Sunday. Um, but we got real with it and we kind of realized that a lot of people were in the similar boat, um, being the first race of the season. Now, just to kind of, uh, go over that a little bit, this client was kind of, suggesting that they are very anxious on race day and they give themselves so much self-doubt and lack of confidence on race day, meaning that, um, yeah, they're approaching the race in a a very negative mindset and that's affecting their performance. Now, I did a whole podcast on this um, this subject area, so I'm not going to go into it in too much detail. If you want to know a little bit about that, um, if you go back to... Than my previous podcast which was racing psychology which is self-confidence and nervousness we talk about that um, in great depth um and uh, and go into lots of uh, science and understanding um so that would be a good one for you um but um but generally speaking there's there's many different coping mechanisms which you can use if you get big performance anxiety um and uh and yeah y- you You are absolutely not alone if you've got big performance anxiety because I think everyone goes through it to some extent. Some deal with it better than others. Um, Question number six, top three supplements. Um, Take a sip of my drink. Top three supplements. Um, I'm going to go down the cyclist route top three performance supplements um we'll go for creatine vitamin d and probably just protein supplementation and the reason that i say those is creatine if you go back to podcast number one go go to the last 10 minutes of that and listen to my rationale behind that there is many different benefits of creatine um it's not just for bodybuilders health benefits performance benefits um it's also very cheap and it's just mind-boggling what that what benefits you can get out of creatine um number two was vitamin d and the only reason i say that is because i think something like 93 percent of brits are deficient in vitamin d so uh, it just makes sense to supplement that uh, especially in winter we don't get enough sunlight exposure to to inc- to to get to the appropriate level so supplementing that is is worthwhile and it can really help help prevent flu's illnesses and uh, your general sensation and well-being number 3 was protein supplementation and that uh, that isn't essential none of these are essential but the reason i say that is like, for example taking whey protein uh, blend it's a very quick and easy and convenient way of upping your daily dose of protein. And we know that most cyclists are um, under-consuming protein, for, which is uh, the appropriate amount to recover. Um, and uh, protein um, ingestion through meats and fishes can be quite expensive. So to get up to that 2 grams per kilo of protein supplementing protein is a very quick easy cheap convenient way of doing so um number seven i feel a lack of top end power how can i improve brackets nutrition slash intervals um i won't touch on nutrition for this because to be honest there's not loads you can do nutritionally to improve on top end power um other than making sure you're fueled efficiently for your workouts but with regards to top end power it's put simply you need to do more top end power interval sessions um a common um fault when it comes to this is not allowing appropriate recovery between uh, top end power intervals um so a, a, a typical top end what 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 this guy is relating to top end power i would define as um kind of three minute maximal effort all the way down to you know 30 second sprint let's just say so we're, we're talking about um sprint performance and vo2 max performance here i would suggest this guy means by that um and so yeah they're the kind of intervals you want to be doing now a common uh, fault that people do is they don't let themselves fully recover in between intervals so for example if they say they're going to do some three minute max efforts they'll do a three minute max effort and they'll only give themselves one minute recovery before they then go again or they're not pedaling easy enough in between intervals so a little tip i would say is to get the most quality out of these intervals make sure you're fueled efficiently with carbohydrates before the session so that your fueling strategy is not compromising the quality out of these efforts the next tip would be to warm up appropriately and the next tip would be to absolutely go full gas till you're absolutely emptying the tank for the duration that you're doing so for example a three minute max effort but then recover after that three minute max effort fully and even if you know that might take 10 minutes then go again um Another little side tip is to do it with friends who who are slightly faster than you or similar to you. Find a hill which is two minutes in duration or one minute in duration and literally race each other to the top. Because you'll get more out of yourselves racing your friends to the top of a hill than you will do riding up hard yourself. Um, So yeah, so there's a couple of little tips on that one. Um, Question number eight then. Um, top traits of your highest performing athletes. Okay, good question. Um, my highest performing athletes tend to generally have a decent amount of. Um... No, you know what? I'm going to go down a slightly different route. I'm going to go for your conventional. Oh, self confidence and motivation blah 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 i'm gonna pick out a few other things which uh you wouldn't normally hear about if you like if i said something like self-confidence and motivation and things like that you'd be able to find that out in google um i'm gonna pick a couple of things that you might not have necessarily thought of um which are um which are are fairly common with my highest performing athletes and i'm thinking of a couple uh, to mind they tend to uh, firstly they tend to take full control and full responsibility of their actions so they like to um they they don't see training as like a load of tick boxes they don't see training as or that thing that they need to fit in in the day they see their training session as part of their day and part of that comes with their lifestyle because often they are in a situation where they can completely devote their day to the training and they don't have the work to focus on and so on but um they take ownership of that of that training session and they um they make sure that nothing will compromise that with regards to nutrition with regards to what else they've got planned in the day um, with regards to uh, making sure that when they're out on that ride, they they don't have any excuses. Um, the other thing that they tend to possess is they tend to possess a um, a desire to edu- educate themselves and understand what's going on. So they will ask questions all of the time. They will um they will understand the underpinning rationale as to why we're doing certain sessions um why uh, a certain interval will increase a certain um uh, kind of training demand will um what what those certain intervals will be doing to their physiology um and they'll be asking questions in their feedback to to understand a lot about about the kind of background to it and again, it comes down to you know the training isn't just um, isn't just a load of tick boxes. It's not like oh I've got this session to do today, that's it. Uh, now next next next. It's like okay, how did I perform in that session? Uh, if I didn't perform very well, why? How can we reflect on it for next time? And and that's a very common trait of a, a high performing athlete. And that's actually how I got into my job because I was do my own training and and then starting to want to know more of the ins and outs and therefore i d- decided to take a degree in the subject um but um but yeah but yeah other than that um there's a, a few fairly obvious ones such as you know high performing athletes tend to kind of understand where their the goals are and um, their path their vision they know where they want to be in a few years' time. They know where they want to be at the end of the year. Um, they've got very clear defining goals and um and targets to aim for. Um, but th- these um athletes as well, um they yeah they do possess a lot of self confidence and uh, and self efficacy as well and and uh, and they're they're very motivated individuals. Um, question number nine. Um how do I eat enough protein um I might have in- answered this a little bit one in in one of the previous questions um so a bit of background this athlete who's asking this we've had a consultation recently actually and 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 got to the bottom of, of um, a, a certain thing in his diet and he basically wasn't eating anywhere near enough protein so a typical day for the life of this or nutrition in the in the life of this diet sorry <laughs> tongue twister there got that completely wrong a typical diet in the life of this athlete um typical day was to wake up have some cereal for breakfast uh like some i think he was having something like kellogg's cornflakes and then he was having like an apple mid-morning he was having like a, a sandwich at lunch which is like a cheese sandwich or a um, something like that then he was having like a handful of nuts in the afternoon and then he was having um, an evening meal um, which was whatever so basically what we after discussion we realized that his only decent serving of protein was that evening meal now we had this discussion um, uh, fairly recently but he's kind of wanting to refine it I guess um, we basically just said to him okay well First of all, you need to make sure that you're prioritizing a protein serving in every single meal. So uh, with his breakfast, for example, we were making, we changed his breakfast cereal. We realized that he really likes eggs. So we changed his breakfast to always con- to always uh, have three eggs in there, whether that's eggs on toast for a training day or whether that's like a, a veggie omelet for a non-training day or an easy day. Um, and then um, mid-morning, he was having a protein shake. So supplementing protein with a, with a shake after his session. For lunch, he was always making sure that his sandwich had a decent amount of protein in it. And it was always ticking on off at least 25 grams of protein. So that was chicken or tuna in his sandwich or chicken or tuna in his salad or something like that. Um, or he was having a leftover from the previous night in terms of a meal like lasagna or spag ball or uh, chicken and wraps whatever it might have been mid-afternoon um he was having his regular handful of nuts getting about 10 grams of protein and then he was having his evening meal with again always prioritizing meats uh fish uh, legumes pulses um and and straight away we bumped his his total daily protein up from 30 grams a day all the way up to, I think we got them to 160 grams um, of protein in the day. Sorry, 120 grams of protein in the day. Um, So yeah, so uh, just on the side note, uh, typically um, for those athletes who are wondering and might not have heard it before, you want to be aiming for a minimum of 1.6 grams per kilo of protein per day. That's in the literature what is kind of ideal to stimulate muscle protein synthesis uh, the most um and and promote recovery but that 1.6 grams per kilo of protein per day wants to be evenly distributed across the day so rather than having one massive or three massive steaks in 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 one serving which would be inappropriate distributing those out into four meals or potentially five meals in the day would be best would be best suitable um Question number 10, the last question that I'm going to answer after I take a sip of my drink. I bet that sounded really strange on the mic. I've just got to the bottom of my bottle and my spout is making some strange noises. Um, question number 10, top sleep tips. Um, okay, I'll give a few tips with regards to sleep. Um off the top of my head okay first of all um natural light expose yourself to as much natural light as possible during the day and more so towards the early part of the day actively go for a walk in the sunlight and expose your eyes to as much sunlight and natural light as you possibly can um in in the the earlier part of the day because that really does help our circadian rhythm it helps our natural kind of um wave of you know tiredness to awakeness um and it does help our our bodies kind of wind down and and get into the um get ready for sleep later on in the day so if you can especially if you work from an office or you work from home uh Get out for a half an hour walk, four minute walk, whatever you can in the day to try and expose yourself to this natural light. Now, obviously, if you're it's so if it's a weekend and you're going out for a four hour bike ride, then um it's not as essential. But if you're doing a turbo session or a gym session that day and you don't get out into the daylight, then then that's one thing. Um and it's massively underlooked. Second tip would be to decrease the amount of screen or blue light exposure as possible. Um towards the latter end of the day so if you go to bed try and get to bed at 10 p.m for example from half seven eight o'clock you want to be limiting the amount of smartphone exposure computer exposure even tv screens um and and making sure that you're kind of switching those things off or limiting your exposures to them um because it's those lights which keep us awake It, it it change our hormone responses and keeps us in this awake state Other than that, um, a very obvious one is caffeine consumption. So uh, I'm sure most listeners here like a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Make sure you wean this off towards the latter part of the day. So typically I suggest, um, I mean, take me as an example. My last cup of coffee or cup of tea is typically around half, two, three in the afternoon. Unless I've got an evening race. Um, But then from that time onwards, I don't consume any caffeine, any tea, any coffee or anything like that um watch out for um things like sugar uh, sorry um fizzy drinks such as coke such as pepsi such as uh i think fanta's got a bit in as well but to and pepsi are the main two because they have caffeine in um other things that have caffeine in is dark chocolate uh cocoa so so don't have too much dark chocolate or cocoa towards the latter part of the day Um, and yeah, obviously caffeine is a stimulant and it keeps us awake. So, so don't have much towards the end of the day. Um, other things to like little side tips, I guess, is if you're really struggling, um, uh, have a hot bath or shower about half an hour to an hour before bed. Um, this actually has the opposite effect to what you think and it, and it, and it, um, reduces our core body temperature. Which helps us get into a more restful state. Um, so, so yeah, hot bath or shower about half an hour to an hour before bed. Um, but also, a fairly high carbohydrate meal about an hour to two hours before bed can uh, promote melatonin and and help us drift us off to sleep a bit better. Um, similar to if you were to have a massive carb lunch, you might feel a bit drowsy, a bit sleepy in the afternoon. Similar kind of thing have like a bowl of porridge at like 8pm, half 7, 8pm, as like a supper, Um, and then, yeah, that might help, um, help kind of drift you off a little bit, Um, but yeah, aside from that, um, if you're doing all of those things, and still struggling to sleep, then there might be something, um, something else going on, Um, like, you know, just general stress thinking about things too much um i mean i'm i'm one for that like i'm a good sleeper typically but if i haven't done certain things at work that i wanted to get done then it plays on my mind and i struggle to switch off and i guess that's the the caveat of owning your own business but um but yeah you know they're they're the obvious ones to to make note of um Thank you very much for everyone who asked a question. I did say in my stories that there will be a winner announced. Um, I've got 20 quids worth of protein... Uh, sorry, I've got 20 quids worth of sports supplements um, ready and waiting to post off to uh, a random a random person who asked these questions. And on my laptop in front of me, I've got a random num- number generator. Um These numbers are between 1 and 45, and they represent all of the 45 questions which were asked. Um, And then on a piece of paper next to me, I appreciate you can't see this because it's a podcast. On a piece of paper next to me, I have randomly randomly, um, assigned those numbers to the people who answered the questions. So, I will do the random number generator now. And let's see who wins this 20 quid's worth of sports supplements. Number 13. Oh, unlucky 13, apparently. Uh, Let's have a look. Ah, that comes from, on Instagram, Cafe Legs, which is actually one of my good friends, uh, Sam Um, Bollin. He potentially cheated a little bit because he asked uh, three questions, I think it was, so he's, he's heavily weighted, uh, to win, um, but, um, but yeah, he has won, so, Caffee Legs, um, if you, a little side note, I guess, if you, um, follow on Instagram, searching Caffey Legs, because, um, he's started a new Instagram uh, account and basically and and he, he might quote me wrong here <clears throat> i think basically it's all about the coffee cafe culture in Majorca. so he is um he is they're reviewing certain cafes in Majorca and giving their inside knowledge and information on um each of these cafes what the coffee's like what the food's like what the culture's like there and uh and how that all interacts so um yeah shout out to that page go and give it a like go and give it a follow because there's some good content on there and um and yeah well done cafe legs because you're going to be getting 20 quids worth of sports supplements sent to you which is an inconvenience to myself because it's all the way over in Majorca. so um so yeah uh you've stung me in the tail there sam <laughs> um but yeah fair play to everyone who who uh, asked a question um, if you've got any further questions, please drop me a DM on any of my social media channels and I'll, I'm happily uh, ready and waiting to give a reply. Um, and thank you very much for listening. This has been episode number 14. Um, episode number 15 and my plans in future is to do a little mini-series. This mini-series will be titled Time to Perform. So time to perform is about how to best set up certain things in your lifestyle to get the most out of your training sessions the most out of your races and the most out of yourself so we'll do certain topics in that series such as um turbo sessions how to get the most out of them um certain topics such as race day nutrition how to optimize your race day nutrition to get the most out of your race day how to do a pre-race ride and how your the morning of a race day should look. So that's another uh, topic area that I'll go through through this mini-series. So watch out for that. When I've got time, I'll start putting that together and it'll be a bit more of um, a specific uh, series of podcasts other than me just rattling on like I've just done here. <laughs> um, but I hope you enjoyed this kind of chilled out, relaxed atmosphere to this podcast and I'll see you again next time. Cheerio.